The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Go! It's one out. So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. I'm back. That was quick. We have... An incredible show for you today here on A's Cast Live after a great win. There's something, you can feel it. You can kind of, you just get that feeling. Something's happening. Something really good is happening. And this is what happens to to good teams. You know, we have the, the, the three super teams, and we got to really be rooting for the Dodgers tonight. And we'll be giving you updates all day long here on A's Cast Live. Dodgers win. Next thing you know, the A's are up by three with nine to play. And then we're really going to be looking at having this game, this one game, to move on to the ALDS here in Oakland. And I got a feeling, just like it was in 12, just like in 13, It's going to feel like a Raider game. It's going to be jam-packed. It's going to be loud. It's going to be crazy. You guys are going to get all lubed up in the parking lot before the game, and it will be game on. And it really would be fitting. Nothing against Cleveland. Actually, the way the A's have played against the Central this year, 25-8, and you know, I want it to be against Cleveland. But it almost is fitting that it would be against the Rays. That these two teams, these two franchises, are so similar to each other. I believe that before I ever went to St. Petersburg, Florida, I was with the team earlier this year, and when I was there, that's when I really realized, oh yeah, there's something to be said about the Rays and the A's. They're like mere images of each other in some ways. So much has to do with the business of the two teams. Now, the brands are different. The A's have won championships. They've won nine titles. They're a big part of baseball history. But when you just talk about the issues that the franchises are dealing with and what they have to deal with on a daily basis and the fact that they do have the great success, when I was down in – They're not in Tampa, so it's weird even calling them Tampa Bay Rays. You know, that's their big problem is that they should be in Tampa, and life would be a lot different for them, but they're in St. Petersburg. But they feel the exact same way. You know, they look at the A's, and they have a ton of respect. That's why I just think it would be fitting that this game be played in Oakland and this game be played between the Athletics and the Rays. 
because these two teams do more with less than anybody in the game. And whoever wins that game, we don't know yet. Are you going to New York? Are you going to Houston? Because right now, we're at a dead tie at 99-53 and between the Astros and the Yankees. A dead tie. Technically, personally, I'd rather go to New York, but that's me being selfish. I'd rather go to New York City. Um, But wherever you go, both teams will be like, whew. You know, the Yankees know how tough. The Yankees and Astros know how tough both the A's and both the Rays are. They get it. You know who's got to get going, and he needs to get going tonight? And it may make the case for, you know, could we have two MVPs National League and American League, both guys win the MVP, didn't finish the season. Both injured. Trout in the American League and Christian Yelich in the National League. Because Cody Bellinger, he has fallen off big time. Cody Bellinger hasn't homered since September 2nd. A 12-game drought that matches the longest of the season. He's hitting just 233 and one extra base hit during that time. So as the Dodgers win, they're not doing it because of him. And Yelich won it last year. Do you have a buying or selling about uh, this, Commander Cody? I do. I wanted to get to this yesterday because Ken Rosenthal wrote the great piece about it, and we'll, uh, we'll have a buying or selling on this question. But the only thing that would I just it just came to to just came to me. They've played real well without Christian Yelich. They have, but remember last year they played really well around the same time last year, and that's when Yelich went on the MVP run. So the last like 180 games, he's been incredible. Then I think they've been the best team in in the month of September. I think they're they're like thir- I'm, I'm spitballing, but they're probably I think 13 and four somewhere around there in September, something like that, or they you know since. And that was some of those was the Yelich, obviously, but they're uh, they're doing they're on another run like they were last year. They're right there. Uh, the Cardinals are probably going to win the division, and the Cubs are struggling after last night. They're they, tied at the they, wild card. The Cubs got a lot of they got the injury bug has hit the Chicago Cubs. By the way, we're going to play the Bob Melvin show for you in moments. Scott Miller is going to join us. He's national baseball columnist. He's one of my favorites. He uh, writes for Bleach Report. He's also a Sirius XM MLB Radio Network. And then we're going to have Eduardo Perez. So it's Miller at 530. Eduardo Perez calls games, former big leaguer. Dad's a Hall of Famer. Uh, calls games for ESPN. We'll be here at 6 o'clock. And Mike Petriello will be here at 630 from MLB.com. And one of the best follows on Twitter. He's another guy. We always talk about Sarah Langs. There's certain guys out there that you check their Twitter accounts every day because the nuggets they bring you on Major League Baseball is phenomenal. From the 408, you can text me at 510-897-1322. That's 510-897-1322. From the 408, sorry if you answered this before, but why can't the Rays move play in Tampa instead of St. Petersburg? This is what I've learned. Well, first of all, someone's got to pay for the stadium. And neither Tampa Bay or St. Peter St. Petersburg want to pay for it. No one wants to pay for it. Everybody wants the the billionaire owner to pay for it. 
and they it looked like they were going to move to Tampa Bay. Maybe they get some money from Tampa Bay. That fell through, and now St. Petersburg is try, battling trying to keep them. But really, they're at square one. And their owner right now wants money. And he wants someone to help pay for a lot of the stadium. And he's not going to get it from Tampa Bay or St. Petersburg. But they need to be in Tampa, from what I learned. Tampa, I guess getting across the bridge is such a pain that people aren't. Tampa, they draw well with the hockey team. The hockey team sells out. Uh, obviously, I mean, it's tough to always compare the NFL because the NFL is the NFL. And it's only, it's really 10 games. You got to pay for 10 games because you got to pay for the two preseason, but it's eight games. But the Buccaneers have always done well. Raymond James Stadium, I don't even know if it's still called that anymore. But that's their problem. They got no, they got an owner who doesn't want to fork over most of the money to build a stadium, but that's what you need to do. And it's just ridiculous to play. We're going to play some of our games in Montreal, and then we're going to play some of our games in St. Pete. I mean, there's a reason nobody wants to play there. I mean, it's a mess. It's an absolute mess, which is far different from the A's. Guys love playing here now. It's been really a fun transition. A lot has to do with the skipper, Bob Melvin. The culture that's here in Oakland, people want to be a part of it. They're winners. They got 92 wins, nine games left. Can they get to 100? Can they match 97 of last year? I bet you next, I, this coming off season. I bet you we're not going to have what we had this past year where people went, meh. Probably was a little bit of a fluke. You know, they caught lightning in a bottle. They won 97 games. Because basically no one picked them to be back in the postseason. No one picked them to do what they're doing. Jim Bowden did. We'll give Jim, friend of the program. And hopefully maybe he'll be out here because ESPN will have the wild card game. And the professor, Matt Pearl, told me, that's something like ESPN didn't have a lot of games, so we might be getting their AA crew out here, which that means great friend of the program, Buster Olney will be here. Maddie Vaskersen, best friend of the program and oh. A's fan. Gee, you you give me you give me for our wild card show, Buster Olney and Matt Vaskersen. What about A Rod? <sighs> and Jessica Mendoza. I mean, they're all. You know what though? I I have to say this. I know what a load A Rod is. A-Rod is a narcissist. Every Anybody that's covered him. But I will say this. I, I dealt with him one time, and he was fabulous. Because you know he can talk. When he, want, when he wants to put on the charm, he's charming. And I, because I wanted to talk to him when the A's got Hideki Matsui, who was his teammate, obviously, with the New York Yankees. Godzilla. Godzilla. Oh, that was used to be great when I used to play the old Godzilla. <laughs> Problem was Godzilla wasn't Godzilla when he got here. He didn't play like Godzilla anymore. But I went over and said, hey, I'd like to get your you know, comments from me about your old teammate, and he was just great. I will take A-Rod. But, can, but, you imagine, can you imagine A-Rod and J-Lo together? A-Rod and J-Lo. 
you could see them just being there, just looking in the mirror at each other. Would their nickname be J Lo or or A Lo, or how about J Rod? I don't know. How would know. they go by? Because there's Benifer and all that stuff. I wonder what A-Rod and – I just – I can't imagine what it's like being around that. I mean, the ego in the room <laughs> would be – that's But buying or selling A-Rod's car gets broken into. A-Rod <laughs> will protect your car here in Oakland. <laughs> all right? San Francisco, we can't help you. But here in Oakland, we'll protect your car. We'll give up our parking spots for you, A-Rod. That is – Hashtag false. Are well, we... I, I, I could, but your your parking's better than mine. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm not giving up anything to A-Rod. Hey, A-Rod, take a car. You made 400. How much money did he make in his career? Uh, A-Rod, uh, newsflash, Bart will get you here quickly. Yeah, he's got enough money. He can get a driver, A-Rod. Are we ready for the Bob Melvin show? Yeah. Earlier today, down in his office, we caught up with the skipper. Bob Melvin, we do it every single – you want to hear from Bob Melvin on a weekly basis through the Bob Melvin Show? There's only one place you get it. It's A's Cast Live. Here is the manager of the year, Bob Melvin. It's now time for the Bob Melvin Show brought to you by nestbedding.com. Love where you sleep. And if you go to nestbedding.com right now and use the coupon code Oakland, you get 10% off your entire order. That's use the coupon code Oakland at nestbedding.com. Bob, right now, I mean, crazy. We got a sprint to the finish line. Only 10 games left in the season. 10 games left, and that's actually kind of my cutoff where I actually pay attention uh, to where everybody else is. I try to stay away from that and focus on what we're doing. But with 10 left, to the finish line is definitely in sight. So you're pretty much aware of where everybody is at this point. So we finally can admit we're scoreboard watching. Yeah, to an extent, no doubt. And yesterday's game uh, was in the right field scoreboard, so I can't help but look at that. Um, but thank God it was a later game, so you didn't have to focus on it too much. But, yeah, I mean, you can't help but look at it right now. And you know what? That's what baseball is all about. The fans have been into it probably for a couple months, scoreboard watching. And I think everybody kind of has their own taste on, on when they do that. And uh, this is kind of the time that I started. You know, I was talking about this on the postgame show yesterday. And we look around, and, you know, when you win all the games that you've won and you're 30 games over 500, you have 91 wins. And when people are listening to this week, who knows what the win total will be by the end of the week. I just think of one guy who really is very special for you. And I hope he's here for a long, long time. That's Matt Olson. Matt Olson. What he provides defensively, we talk about it, but what he provides offensively, if he doesn't break that hammock bone in Japan, I mean, he's well over 40 home runs, maybe chasing 50. Just talk about your first baseman and just what a force he is on offense and defense. He is amazing, and he's kind of the unsung guy because he's pretty quiet. Uh, he's not quiet with his bat or his glove, but he's durable. He goes out there every day. You know, he played 162 last year, unfortunately got off to a slow start, and like you said, he's probably looking at 45 and 100 right now um if if he start you know played throughout the, the entire season i've been a matt olson fan since the day we signed him i went over to minor league camp and spring training one time and saw him hit a ball up on the on the training facility in right field and saw his glove work and i i've been kind of pounding the table on him for a long time we were actually playing him right field for a while in in, in the minor leagues and it was something that that frustrated me because i just felt like this guy was going to be a gold glover and he was a first round pick for us and and now we're reaping the rewards of, of a guy who was our first-round pick and is just a terrific all-around player. And you um, can't say enough about him and how much he means to this team. Yeah, I think about playing him in right field. It's kind of absurd now when you think about how good he is defensively at first. And, 
you know, he works hard. Your, your whole infield works hard. And talk about Matt Williams because, you know, Matt Williams was a star player, made a lot of money. But the way he coaches and the way he grinds, how much does this infield take on his personality? They do. And, you know, they have their own attributes, but, but Matty definitely accentuates it. Matty's a bull. And no matter what he's doing, whether it's in the weight room, whether it's preparing, whether it's when he's out there hitting ground balls, I, I've never seen up to this point a third base coach have as good a year on sends and no sends as he has. He's got great instincts for the game. Uh, he is. He should be managing. He really should. And I think at some point in time he will again. He is that good. And if you're around him on a day-to-day -day basis, you know his baseball acumen. He understands the analytics now being here. I, I would be shocked if he wasn't being talked about for some of these job openings afterwards. He's meant so much to this team. So, you know, it, it's it's like, you know, you, we, I'd love for him to have a job. I'd hate to lose him. Uh, he's one of the best coaches, if not the be best coaches, if not the best coach I've ever had. Yeah, there's definitely a presence when he's on that field and he's in uniform. I mean, he's Matt Williams. And, you know, when we talk about defense and working hard, there's this game that you and Matt play with Matt Chapman every single day. And we get to see it. That's one of the great things about Ace Cast Live is we get to see all the different things that you do. Tell us about this game that you play with Matt Chapman every day at third base with the Fungo. Right. I get him on night games and Matty gets him in the day games. So it starts out. He starts in. You hit him some balls straight up in. Then you hit some to his backhand, and then you have to roll some where he, 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 he goes and gets it down the line, touches third, and throws to first. Then he backs up, and then you got to give him some forehands, and then it ends up where he starts out at shortstop. The last ball we do every day, he starts at shortstop, and I look at him like, there's no way you're going to get to this ball, and I hit it right over the third base bag, and I hit it hard, and how far he comes is truly amazing and he works on it every single day, and we've seen him make that play like nobody else has. So a lot of his preparation dictates how he plays during the day. He's a grinder every game. He use, you know, he gets he's similar to Marcus. Every ball that he simulates in, in BP that he wants to be prepared for during the game, it's pretty amazing to watch. You know, I've talked to Ray Fossey about this, and I'm probably in your career, you'll probably say the same thing. Guys get here now earlier than ever. I mean, it's it's basically like. They're here from lunch all the way till after the game. What is it about ballplayers now who want to be at the field literally all day long? Well, the food's a lot better than it was back then when you used to take the bus at 4 o'clock and you take batting practice, and that's really all you did. You'd take ground balls during BP, you'd hit during BP, and that was really all the preparation. These guys literally have three routines over the course of the day. They get here. They go into the cage, they work on whether it's flips or whether it's tee or whether it's live arm or whether it's machine, and then they go out and they take the regular BP and then they go through another routine before the game, uh, similar to the, to the pre-BP routine. So uh, these guys are really disciplined. Uh, they have analytics, they go in the video room, they know what guys are going to throw them. Um, they're really smart and they're really prepared. I sometimes get a little uncomfortable when you play 162 games how much they hit and sometimes we kind of back them off a little bit but they're so routine oriented and this group's such a hard working group it's fun to watch and they put in a lot of time for sure so i got to take questions after every single game in the post game show and uh i always get asked certain things like who's going to start the wild card game and how are they going to do it how nice is it to have these days off coming up? You got Thursday off, you got Sunday off. Of course, you got to get in the wild card game, but how much is this going to help you kind of line things up for that wild card? 
it allows us to be cognizant of it, but we have to get there first. So we're going to try to keep running our best guys out there with the proper time off. You know, certainly we've been doing things a little differently with Puck and Lazardo in the bullpen and, and trying to incorporate them on a timely basis when they know they're coming in the game, treating them like a starter even though they're relieving, which I think has been beneficial up to this point. It does allow us to take a look down the road. That's probably more the front office's job than mine. I'm thinking about today's game and, and running the best lineup out there for a particular day. But we've run through a really, really tough stretch. We played four games in Houston, and I know it's indoors, but it's still really humid there, and those were some battles. It, it felt like you needed two days off after that series. And next thing you know, we're going into Texas, and we're playing three games there in 90-degree heat. 16 in a row in September does not happen very often. Usually you're able to use your 40-man roster a little bit more, but in the position we're in, it's been the same guys out there every day, basically. So these are grind the guys are really grinding hard. They know that we have 10 games left. Nobody wants a day off. So uh, it, I think the day off, days off that are coming up here will be beneficial to us. Yeah, I think, you know, whether it's me or the fan base, when you lose to Kansas City and, 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 and you blow the save and you get mad about it, we do forget – that road trip that you were just on, how brutal that was and coming right back to play. Because, of course, we want to win every game, right? Because you're thinking about that magic number. But, yeah, you guys just endured a really tough trip. It was tough. And, you know, I, you know, the guys look complacent or whatever. It's anything but. And, and, you know, yesterday we didn't do much offensively. you got to give Lopez credit. He pitched a really good game. But then when we needed it toward the end, like these guys do, they smell it. Ole hits a homer. Canna gets hit. Brownie hits a double. Next thing you know, we're up, and it's a completely different dugout. So just because it's, sometimes it doesn't look great, and I think everybody expects us to score 10 runs against Kansas City every time, it just doesn't work that way. But guys do respond, as you saw last night. I know this is putting the cart before the horse, but I remember what David Price did for the Rays when they made their World Series run against the Phillies back in 2008. And I think what you have with Puck and Lazardo, it's like two David Prices. And I think about how the, the, the way it lines up in the postseason where you play two days, have the day off, then you play two days. These guys really could play a factor long run for you coming in this middle relief role. How much have you guys thought about that? Quite a bit, and that's why we're trying to do it right now so we get used to it. Uh, you're right. The day's off. You know, it's Andrew Miller. Andrew Miller, a few, few years ago with, with Cleveland, Terry Francona used him in, in a hybrid role that really had never been seen before. You know, Houston used their starters, you know, in their World Series run. So you're trying to get your best guys in there, and it's prudent that you, you, you feel, it, feel it out a little bit going into that, and we've had some success doing it. So, you know, sometimes – you pull your starter out like Brett last night after five. He's pitching really well. And if you end up losing that game, it's like, why do you pull your starter? Um, there's reasons that you do it. And you're never going to be perfect with these things. You know, sometimes it's going to show up and you're going to lose a game. But you never really know where the starter's going after that. Um, so we're, we're, ju we're just trying to toy with what we think is our best complement. And, you know, I think at least with Puck and, and uh, Lazardo right now, um, it, the David Price comp is right on. If there was ever a ballpark that could get Chris Davis going, it's Globe Life Park. And it looks like that happened, you know, because we just didn't know if he was ever going to bounce back. And actually, he's been starting to swing it really well. How nice is that for you to see your slugger get it going again? Yeah, that was big for him. And, and you know, the two-homer game was big for him. Um, so now you've seen him get some big hits here recently, too, even on games where it looked like he hasn't been swinging the bat well. 
Uh, I think he's heating up at the right time. We feel good good about him. He's starting to feel a lot better about himself. You know, for a guy that's used to hitting 40 home runs and knocking in 100, it's tough to go through something like this, especially when, you know, there's so much at stake. But uh, he's starting to pull himself out of it. The guys feel great about it, too, and I think he's going to respond accordingly here in the next 10 days. Let's end on this. Yesterday, Liam Hendricks on Ace Cast Live said, this fan base, no one wants to come here for a wild card game. Because as Liam said, pound for pound, it's the best fan base in baseball. This is the last homestand. People are going to be listening to this interview as it's the last weekend. And I know how much the fans mean to you. Oh, it's, you know, I get, there are times during the season that I want to win. So you want to win every day. But when we have a big crowd, you really want to win because this place gets so loud and, and it's it's old school fans. It's fans that, that aren't afraid to get on the opposing team and, and make it difficult on them. And we've seen here in the postseason in the past, the you know, the, the Tigers left here and said this was the toughest crowd they had to deal with. So, you know, if we do are lucky enough to get into the postseason, we're lucky enough to, to host a game here. They'll be out in full force, and, and it's like the 10th man for us. There's such a bond between our fans and our team and this organization. It could be really cool. Good luck this week, and we'll talk to you next week. My pleasure. The Bob Melvin Show brought to you by NestBetting.com. That's NestBetting.com. You go there right now, use the coupon code Oakland, and get 10% off your entire order. That's NestBetting.com. That's right, NestBetting.com. The entire order, 10%. All right, scoreboard watching. We're in the top of the fifth inning in Cleveland. Tigers and Indians at 1-1. We head down to Chavez Ravine. We're in the top of the first inning. It zeroes between the Rays and the Dodgers. Bob Melvin admitted it. It's just human nature. Like, how could you not be scoreboard watching? Like, how can you not? You know the Rays. The scoreboard at Dodger Stadium is on the outfield wall. Right? Like right field, I think it is. I haven't been to Dodger Stadium in so long. But I think because you see guys crash into it. You can't tell me if you're a Rays player, you're not looking out there and seeing that the A's have already won today. Scratch that scoreboard update. The Rays have taken a one nothing lead in the top of the first inning down at Dodger Stadium. By the way, the Dodgers used all their big guns out of the bullpen last night, so I'm not sure what they're going to have left tonight in the bullpen. But we're all bleeding Dodger blue tonight, rooting for the Dodgers. Uh, a standing ovation for Bay Area's own CC Sabathia as he left down 2 nothing against the Halos. The Yankees have now tied it up at 2-2. But his last regular season start all-time at Yankee Stadium, very emotional. Hall of Famer, when, you, when I say, quickly, CC Sabathia, yes, yes or no? Yes. Okay. Friend of the program. Well, I wasn't here, so does that – um, Jim Bowden, you weren't here for Jim Bowden either, but he's friend of the program. I know. There's a CC question in uh, buying or selling, I think. I'm going to concoct one between him and someone else who's closing in on a milestone and the end of his run. And maybe we'll see who gets Ooh, in the Ooh, that's a tease. Uh, CC for me, yeah, I'd vote yes. 
Yeah. I mean, for and I'm not doing that because he's a Bay Area guy. I, I'm doing that because, you know, did he have a time when he was, you know, one of the best in the game? We want to sigh. Uh, Remember when he with the Brewers? That, um. that when he was going on three days rest and kept winning with the Brewers, that was where I just went, I got mass respect. Because this guy's going to be a free agent, right? How many agents would be telling you, do not do that? Do not keep going on three days rest. All he wanted to do was win. All he wanted to do was win. And he knew he wasn't going to be a Brewer. He could have blown his arm out, and he didn't. So if I've got a vote, I say yes. 250 career wins, 3,090. I think it's 3,091 career strikeouts. Yeah, he's in. And, and plus, winning a World Series for the Yankees, that's going to sway a lot of voters. Yeah, six-time All-Star. Yeah, he's going to get in. Coming up next, we're heading down to San Diego to talk to our guy, Scott Miller. So much to talk about with the wild card races, who he likes, who he doesn't like. We're all going to find out next right here on A's Cast Live. What year did the A's move to Oakland? How many U.S. state capitals are named after presidents? Find out the answers to questions like these during Brainstormer Trivia Nights at bars and restaurants all across the Bay Area. Bring some friends and play trivia with us for a chance to win prizes galore. Brainstormer also hosts quiz dates, events just for singles, and we're now booking for corporate events and trivia nights at bars and restaurants. Visit Brainstormer.com to find quizzes near you and for more information about Brainstormer Trivia. Now back to Ace Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Don't forget, go up and see Ken Korak, Montclair Public Library, 630. He and Susan Slesser will be signing books and selling books. Go up and support them. I know a couple of you on the text line at 510-897-1322 have said you're on your way up there. So have fun with that and uh, support Ken and support Susan. Two A's legends. And Ken will be on the program tomorrow night. We'll have A's cast live from 4 to 7. You know, we've been telling people, you know, because a lot of people say, what are you going to do in the offseason? Oh, we're still going to do this show. We're going to be on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 1 to 4. And then we'll replay it from 4 to 7. So basically, it's a one to seven program, three days a week. And then I can tell you, we're working on so many different things that are be going on this off season. So many different things. Do we have Scott? Scott, great to have you on the program once again. How's life been treating you? Hello, we there? Yeah, Scott, are you there? Yeah, I am. How are you? Nice to be with you. Good. How's life? How's things? Uh, good. You know, just uh, last eight, well, what, we got about ten games left in the season, a sprint to the finish line. Fun stuff watching, uh, you know, all around the league, seeing how things are going to play out. Yeah, isn't it hard to believe for the Athletics getting the win today over the Kansas City Royals one zip? There's just nine games left. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's funny. At this time of year, I was uh, – I'd like to shift it because, you know, how often do we hear uh, beginning in spring training in April and May, hey, man, the baseball season is so long. It's it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Well, right now, about this time of year, we flip that. Now, I don't care what anybody tells you, it is a sprint. <laughs> no doubt about it, and that's what's going on for the A's is they got nine games left, currently sit 
two and a half games above the Rays. Now, the Rays are playing at Dodger Stadium right now, and they have the lead. But you know what? I, I don't know what it is, Scott, but when the A's are good, and this has been going on since like 2000, what is it about this team that the first couple months a little bit sluggish, and next thing you know, they get to May, they get to June, and they just turn this thing on? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's true. And I saw the end of this game today, and, uh, you know, uh, the, the the intentional walk to, to Olsen to get to Canha, and, and, and then he, of course, wins it. And what is it? They were giving his T-shirts away today. He wins it on his own T-shirt day. That's pretty cool. Um, I think, to me, part of that, and I don't know, it's not an exact science, but to your point, when the A's are good about how they seem to, to uh, settle in, you know, after a couple months. Uh, to me, a lot of that is the A's usually are a very good team. And I mean full team, complete team, not, um, you know, three or four marquee superstars. I mean, for example, you look at the Houston Astros. Uh, they start the season, Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole on the mound, okay, two of the best pitchers in the game. Pretty good chance when they're on the mound they're going to win no matter what they're surrounded with. You look at the lineup. Alex Bregman, uh, a perennial MVP type of player. Uh, the, the kid Alvarez that came up this year. In other words, they've got weapons, individual weapons. Now, I know the A's do too. Chapman, I always argue, is one of the most underrated players in the game. But Generally speaking, you know, Chris Davis is, you know, nice power hitter. But the A's don't usually, because of payroll, of course, woe you with those four or five franchise-type players. And I think it takes them a while to settle in with whoever they have in a year pitching, uh, you know, the, the, the various parts that Bob Melvin and his coaches have to work into the lineup. And, and I think sometimes that, that that magic elixir, that chemistry, whatever it is, in a situation like Oakland, it takes a couple months for everybody to kind of get used to each other and where the best, the, where the pieces fit best. And I was talking about this earlier and thinking about this one-game wild card that the A's are trending to and hopefully are going to host on October second. To me, it would just be fitting to play the Rays in this wild card game because they're like the East Coast version of the A's. Having been there this year and getting to learn more about their struggles, these two franchises mirror each other in so many ways. That's why I think it would be great to have the A's and the Rays in a one-game, winner moves on, loser goes home. Yeah, the only only downfall I see with that or the only negative is – it's so easy to root for both teams because they both kind of fill that Cinderella role. And, you know, they mean the wild card. Obviously I know in Oakland and your listeners are, are, would, you know, clearly be rooting hard for the A's, but as a more neutral observer, I wouldn't want either one of those teams to lose. You know, it's, 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 but you're right. It's fitting because they are sort of the East coast version of Oakland. There's no question about it, but you know, it's easier. I mean, I know the the wild card game didn't uh, didn't come out last year the way so many in Oakland obviously would have wanted it to. But you know, when it's a wild card game of Oakland and the Yankees, 
uh, unless you're living in New York, there's a pretty clear favorite. It's easy to root for. Well, you know, everybody wants the underdog to win. Here, you know, Oakland and Tampa Bay, you'd have two underdogs. So I'm looking at this game tonight down at Dodger Stadium and just going through the notes before the game. And we know the Dodgers are you know, one of the three superpowers in the game. But a couple of their big boys aren't going so well. Cody Bellinger has been on a bad streak. Justin Turner has the ankle. He hasn't played in a while. Would you say that the Dodgers are really limping into the postseason as of right now? You know, it's uh, they're not – Losing. I mean, I'd say they're they were would be limping if you know, like a situation like last year where Colorado chased them down and they had to play a game one sixty three against the Rockies just to see who's going to win the division. It's hard to say with them up by twenty games that they're limping in. But you know, your point is well taken. I mean. You know, Justin Turner, in fact, they just I'm, – I'm home tonight, uh, and I have this game on as well. They just showed a picture of Justin Turner in the dugout next to Dave Roberts, and it looks like Turner might have gotten a, his head shaved or at least close to it, a buzz cut. Um, but that ankle better get uh, – that ankle better heal. I mean, the thing is with the Dodgers, with this lead they have, they've got the luxury of, um, you know, of, of resting Turner as long as he needs to go. Now – Obviously, you know the the the, the you know they're not going to play in a wild card game. So what is the game one of the NLCS is October fourth or October third? I think October third. NL wild card is the first, and then NL playoffs would start October third. So what you would have is you know you've got some time that they can just rest Turner and let that ankle heal, but. Um, it better heal because yeah they they need him at full speed and. Bellinger, it's interesting. I mean, he did enough early. I think he's going to end up as the National League most valuable player. But you're right. The last, you know, whether it's the pressure uh, he's felt to maintain that MVP type of caliber play, whether it's inexperience or not inexperience, but um, he's young at 24, and whether it's the rigors of the season catching up to him. You know, they're going to need Bellinger at full strength uh, come playoff time. And, and by full strength there, I don't mean physically. I mean hitting the way he hit the first four months of the season. And, you know, we'll, we'll see where what happens. But, you know, the Dodgers have so many, so much depth. Uh, but Bellinger is interesting because, remember, just a year ago, he was benched during much of the playoffs against lefty starters. You know, he was almost a platoon player, whereas this year – he worked hard over the winter. He fixed some holes in a swing, uh, and he's been much better against lefties, and he's proven to everybody that he's not a platoon player. He's an MVP type of player. They need him to play like it in, in October. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up about who you think is going to be the MVP because that's one of the things I want to talk to you about is, you know, could it be possible, something that you don't see too often, that the guy that wins the MVP in the American League and the National League, both guys – did not finish the season healthy. When you talk about Christian Yelich and Mike Trout, that's still a possibility. Scott, that's not something you see too often. <laughs> no, it's not. And I'm going to say, I'm going to give it maybe a little less than a 75% chance that that could happen. Now, that might seem high, but the reason I say that is I think Trout wins the MVP in the American League. I think even though he hasn't played since September 7th, 
Alex Bregman of the Astros is making a strong run, but I think Trout will be recognized as the MVP. So put that at at least 50% that we could see both MVPs not finish the season, because I do think in Trout's case, that's what's going to happen. But, um, you know, Yelich could be the guy. He certainly had another sensational season. And before breaking that kneecap, he, he did everything uh, in his power to repeat as the MVP winner. But um, I, I just think Cody Bellinger's put up sensational numbers as well. And even as you point out, he's, you know, he's, he's slowed down significantly over the last month or so or six weeks. I still think his overall body of work is there. And I think voters are going to look at the word valuable in most valuable player. And they're going to attach, uh, the body of work of Bellinger, not just singularly within himself, but they're going to attach it to the way the Dodgers have just steamrolled everybody from start to finish and, and are going to win their division by 20 games or more. And I think that's probably going to be enough for Bellinger, even though Yelich put up a uh, valiant, valiant season. All right, we're going we're gonna to bring up another guy that is a potential candidate or should be a potential candidate for the American League MVP. Scott, I'm going to blow your mind with this. I don't know if you've seen this. Are you ready for this? I'm ready, but bring it on. I'm, I'm curious now with that threat of blowing my mind. And, uh, well, let, go, lay it on me. There's been three players in Major League Baseball history in one season with at least 116 runs, 175 hits, 39 doubles, seven triples, 30 home runs, 85 RBIs, 78 walks, and 10 stolen bases. The three guys, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, and Marcus Simeon. That's, uh, if I'm Marcus Simeon, I'm, that's pretty good company to be in, right? I love that. Um, yeah, Simeon's made a nice run, no question. Where do you think, I mean, would you say top five, top three he should at least be in? You know, without having the full list and numbers of everybody in front of me, because I I will say, as a guy that does vote in the BBWAA awards, I've had MVP votes, uh, young votes, different, different votes. It's gotten more complicated with all the advanced statistics. And I don't say that in any negative vein. It's just... You know, 15 years ago, it used to be you look at RBIs, games played. Did, did the guy was he there every day? Home runs. You'd look at the production numbers. You'd look at the 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 individual numbers, like on base, and you'd make a determination. Now, it's like you you feel like you know if, if you don't look at a lot of the advanced analytic numbers, you're you're shirking your responsibility. So that's the only reason I'm giving you a little bit of a pause here. But yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, I mean, you've got Mike Trout, you've got Alex Bregman, um, you know, uh, you've got, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm blanking right now. But I mean, Simeon, I mean, you've got, uh, I mean, he's going to win Rookie of the Year. But look at Bregman's teammate Alvarez. I mean, he's been sensational. Uh, you've got all those Minnesota Badgers. You know, the Twins have had such a sensational year. Um, you know, you've got some some candidates there, but. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't see why Simeon should not be a top five uh, uh, candidate, especially, I mean, you, you know, those numbers you just cited. Um, because the other thing, and this to me plays in Simeon's favor, um, 
you know, different people look at the award differently. And that's one thing I really like about the most valuable player award is it's not the player of the year award. Some people vote that way, you know, and that's, that's fine, but it's up to the voters interpretation. And I, I don't look at it as strict player of the year. Who was the best player in the American league? I think it's the most valuable player award. And that word valuable, that's where things go into the gray area. You know what? It, it's some, it's kind of a player of the year award, but to me, value speaks to as, what value does he bring his team as well. And that's where I think to me, Simeon is top five. So I asked this question earlier today and I got different answers because obviously the division series is five games and the ALCS is seven games. So whoever wins this wild card, you're either going to go to Yankee Stadium or you're going to go to Minute Maid Park. Out of the Yankees and the Astros, who would you rather play in a five-game series and who would you rather play in a seven-game series? Um, I think the answer to both is I'd rather get the Yankees. For sure, I'd rather get the Yankees in a five-game series and and avoid Houston in a seven-game series. Because in a seven-game series, you're going to get a steady dose of Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, uh, Zach Granke. You're going to get those guys, um, you know, probably six of the seven games, even if it goes seven games. And I do not like trying to get through Verlander twice, Garrett Cole twice, and the rest of that monster uh, Yankees have had a sensational year, but, you know, I mean, speaking of, you know, a little bit of limping to the finish line, Gary Sanchez, their catcher, has, is uh, nursing a strength groin right now. Um, you know, we don't know if he's going to be full strength come playoff time. They just lost Dellon Batances the other day to the to the ankle injury, uh, the, the, the torn Achilles. Um, and I know that's been – the Yankees bugaboo all year long and then one injury after another they've had I mean to me they've had a remarkable year especially when you factor in I mean Luis Severino just pitched yesterday for the first time since April I mean you know they've had one thing after another go wrong with them they're they've, they're still sitting at 99 wins so I don't mean to paint the Yankees like oh geez you know, <laughs> he'll take them in a heartbeat because it's a cakewalk um that's a difficult assignment too, but I think man to man, especially with pitching, the Astros to me are the team to be clearly in the American League, and as such, for all those reasons, I think you know if I win the wild card, um, you know I, I, I'd say okay, bring on the Yankees next because I I would want to avoid the Astros as long as possible, but I just got done saying. I, Astros, you don't want to face in a seven-game series, you know, so you win the wild card. I guess you have to face the Astros. You know, you probably gamble with them in a shorter series because, uh, you know, you can maybe try to figure out a way around that pitching, but I don't think it's possible. I think the Astros win the American League pennant. Scott, you're the best. We always appreciate the time, and we'll be checking in with you during the postseason. Sounds good. Take care. Enjoy these last nine games. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to uh, see how it all shakes out. Scott Miller from Bleach Report. Always love having him on. 
Well, there's a lot to get into there, and we're giving you scoreboard updates. What's happening down in L.A.? What's happening in Cleveland? You'll find out right here on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Now back to the town. Here's Chris Townsend. We're going to have to get Barry Zito on. Seeing here on Twitter, his new book, Curveball. He is coming on next week. He's coming on next week? Next Tuesday, 5.30. That's the last uh, road trip of the year. Next Tuesday, the Athletics are taking on the Halos. Minus Trout and Otani. It's a bear all book. He even admits. You know, Barry Zito and I have something in common. I don't have a Cy Young Award. I didn't make over $100 million. I'm right-handed. He's left-handed. But we do have something in common. Do you know what that is, Commander? I I do because you mentioned it earlier. But we, we both were rooting against the 2010 San Francisco Giants. That was a great World Series, though. That whole run for Texas that year and then the run the Giants went on. But, yeah, I was rooting against the Giants, too. And I lived in Pennsylvania then. Yeah, Barry Zito admits he was not rooting for him. I And you know what? The parade, and you know, the parade ends at City Hall, right? And I was actually watching it. And they're announcing all the guys, right? And I'll never forget when they announced Barry Zito. He walked right by, you know, they're shaking Sabian's hand and shaking uh, Bochi's hand. He walked right past both of them, didn't shake their hands. And walked right past, made the left down to his seat. I don't think a lot of people caught that. I did. And he's burying his soul in his new book. And we had Barry on. When we had, I had Barry on. We've had him on a, quite a bit, right? We had him on, I think, last month, sometime in August. Yeah, but then I had him when he was, what was he here for? Some kind of. Uh, oh, uh, the energy thing for yeah. California. Where, it was for Earth Day. When we turned the scoreboards off yeah, and that whole deal. Earth Day. So uh, I interviewed him in the Ray Fossey closet. <laughs> so, yeah, we've had him on. This will be the third time this year. Uh, I'm trying to find out when we had Zito on. Uh, we had him on August 12th. Last time. He's such a good guy. Same day we had Conseco on. Conseco and Barry Zito. Oh, and and Kevin Mitchell. I can say two different guys, Jose Conseco. (laughs) But I love me some Jose. I love me some Jose, but definitely two different guys. Uh, We got Eduardo Perez from ESPN, former big leaguer, and, of course, his father, Hall of Famer, part of the Big Red Machine is going to join us coming up here at 6 o'clock as baseball is winding down. And this is the best time of the year. There is no question about it. All right, what do we got? Well, it's 1-1 in the bottom of the six for the Tigers and the Indians. How about the Tigers? Tigers are miserable. But if they could help out... Tigers already are 45 and 105. Hey, they're not going to get 119. They've lost 105 games already. Uh, by the way, breaking, Dodgers 2-1. Dodgers now lead the Rays 2-1. Max Muncy coming through with a two-run double. Our old buddy Max Muncy. 
all of a sudden, Max Muncy couldn't hit, and all of a sudden changes launch angle, and now he's an all-star player. What do uh, Bellinger has a double sitting, and so does uh, Max Muncy. Both of those doubles will come off a left-hander. They were both benched in the World Series going up against left-handers. Well, because, you know, the Giants, I mean, the uh, Dodgers front office is so smart, and they're smarter than everybody else because their analytics, their analytics said you don't play those guys. They better win something. They're trending down a uh, road that we talked about before, being the becoming the Braves. Where they won all those division titles and won one World Series. Well, the well Dodgers, no, you know what? The Bra- you can't say that. The Braves won. They won the one. They're trending more to be like the Buffalo Bills. Hey, they're 2-0, and nobody circles the wagons like, like the, the Buffalo, Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills had Hall of Fame players. You had Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas. Hall of Fame coach Marv Levy. Ed Reed. Uh, Ed Reed. Not Ed Reed. Andre uh, Reed. Andre Reed. Ed so Ed Reed Hall of Famer, though. Ed, Ed, Ed <laughs> Reed's a uh, – who's the, who's, the, who's the big uh, defensive lineman they had? Isn't they had Bruce okay. Smith. Bruce Smith, Hall of Famer. Daryl Talley. I mean, they had Steve Tasker, the legendary yep. special teams guy. CBS. I believe he's still on CBS calling games. The Buffalo Bills, if they would have won that first Super Bowl where they're playing the Giants and Bill Parcells and Norwood wide right, if he would have hit that, probably changes everything. You know, they probably would have won a few more. They were, I mean, to get to four Super Bowls in a row is insane. And to have the greatest comeback in playoff history with Frank Reich. Oh, my God. Warren, I remember Warren Moon throwing down the – Warren uh, did all he could. <laughs> he uh, did all he could. There's only one guy in the history – oh, we have to get into football about the uh, – maybe we'll do that tomorrow. You don't want the, the huge lines coming up this weekend? We've got some crazy line. There's only been one player in the history of football that's played in five straight Super Bowls and lost all five. Hmm. Five straight Super Bowls. You know what? If you can find this at 510-897-1322, I will find an old bobblehead for you. If you can tell me one guy in the history of the NFL played in five straight Super Bowls and lost all five, first person to text the answer at 510 one three two two will win some type of old A's bobblehead. Don't start googling it. Uh, I'm not. I'm going to call Eduardo. Eduardo Perez from ESPN is going to join us coming up here. Friend of A's Cast Live is. Yeah. You've heard the promo. He was in uh, Joey Town. He was in Joey Town. He was in the uh, Jack London offices. Which, by the way, the A's offices are sweet. They are sweet. It's got like. Baseball, it's like a baseball meets a tech firm is what it feels like in there. Eduardo Perez, I want to say I'm going to get – he played it uh, – I'd say he played it – Arizona. Uh, I mean, Florida, uh, Florida State. State. Florida State, first rounder. And I think he does a really good job as a broadcaster. It, hmm. It's not letting me call Eduardo. It's saying it's – give me an error message. What? That's what, that's what the technology's telling me. Your millennial technology is not coming through right now? That's what it's saying. Let's see. I texted him earlier, gave him a reminder. Did he text back? No, but it went through. It said delivered. Let's figure this out here. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, I will move on until uh, 
until you figure this thing out. So the Oakland A's playoff odds, how about this? Because going into today, the magic number for the A's and the Rays was very – it was it – was, one was 9 and one was 11. And how that dramatically changes – Oh, we got the 925 got it right. But how it dramatically changes. The A's playoff odds going into today was 95.7%. Do you remember what it was earlier this year? It was horrible. And the Rays who were right behind him, they're now just 57.8. That's their playoff odds. Indians have dropped all the way to 46.6. So with every win, you get that much closer. And yes, everybody is starting to scoreboard watch. Because that's what it's like at this time of the year. Because you want to know. You want to know what everybody else is doing. And, you know, the guy that we really haven't talked much about today, and that's the thing about when you talk about, you know, when you have great success, and it doesn't matter what team you're talking about, you have great success. There's got to be a lot of different people that help lead you to where you are. And an article on ESPN.com today had the best move by every contender made for the season. So whether... You did it before the season or during the season. What was the best move made by each contender? And I wasn't shocked about the answer for the A's. I wasn't, I wasn't shocked at all. The answer was moving Liam Hendricks into the closer role. That was theirs, ESPN.com. And I don't agree with it. But this is what I had to say. When Blake Trinan hit the injured list in late June, he wasn't pitching the way he did in 2018. Totally true. But he wasn't awful either. Well, he wasn't great. With an ERA and a FIP around four and 16 saves and 18 tries. Chalking up his struggles to a small sample size and returning him to his role as a closer might have been defensible. Instead, the team went with the best pitcher they had in Liam Hendricks. And the 30-year-old right-hander has been the best reliever in the game this season with a 2.00 FIP at 1.68 ERA. He has amassed more than 80 innings with his 3.4 F4, ranking 12th in the American League among all pitchers, including starters. I'm not, you know what, I'm not going to say they're wrong. I'm not going to say they're wrong, but I think it's highly debatable. Let me give you some moves. How about Marcus Simeon being the leadoff hitter? Marcus Simeon wasn't supposed to be the leadoff hitter every single day. No way. You thought maybe it happens sometimes when he's batting against left-handers? But, but you never saw Simeon every day, every day leading off? 
playing every day, playing shortstop, and leading off. How many guys do that? I mean, that's a lot of responsibility to play shortstop every single day and be your leadoff hitter, be the igniter. Marcus Simeon has 117 runs scored this year. He's now beaten Ricky in leadoff home runs. Ricky Henderson. Remember, you know, that 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 stat I gave you about Babe Ruth and, and Lou Gehrig and, and Marcus? When you start being in the class and start mentioning Ruth, Gehrig, Ricky, the man of steel, that tells you how good a guy has been. How about making Mark Canna duct tape, as we like to call him here on the show, making him your ultimate utility guy? That, that, that's what Mark Canna has been. Bob Melvin has basically said, you know what? If I've got an issue on the diamond, I, I'm putting Mark Canna there to fix it. He's duct tape. What do you use duct tape for? You use duct tape to fix whatever you need fixed in your home. Well, in this home right here, you name it, he's been it. Chris Davis goes down, go out and DH. Issues with Stephen Piscotty and his health, go out and play right field. Oh, hey, one of the toughest positions to play because of the ground you need to cover, especially in this stadium, the athleticism and the speed that you need to be good at it, center field. If you would have told me Mark Canna when he came here as a Rule 5 guy where it went from the Marlins to the Rockies and they got him Rule 5 from the Rockies, when he came here, and I know we've talked about this, it was like, what is he? Is he first base DH? Maybe third? Maybe? No one ever said center field. No one ever said outfielder. Where would this team be without Mark Canna? You know, if, if Bob Melvin were listening to this, he'd be loving this. I'm talking about his Cal guys. But you think of Marcus Simeon being the leadoff hitter, and you think of Mark Canna saving you. I mean, Mark Canna has legitly saved the A's in so many ways, and it was wait for Ramon Laureano to come back. Well, he's back, but he's playing right field now. We thought it'd be the switcheroo. But it seems that the amount of running that it takes to play center field, Ramon is not ready for that yet. I don't know when that flips, but as of right now, your center fielder going forward and has been Mark Canna. Oh, yeah, two for five today, game-winning RBI. Mark Canna has driven in 56 runs, has a 9.03 OPS, and he's playing center field for you. So, yeah, I, I think Liam's a great story. But I think you can go other places, too, where you say the decision. Where are the A's if Marcus Simeon hasn't been leading off this whole time? And you're doing your traditional thing with him where one day he hits six. Well, it's a left-handed pitcher, so now we're going to hit him second. Man, he's been the leadoff hitter all year long. 
a leadoff hitter with an 882 OPS and a boatload of runs scored. But you have a lot of those type options when you have a team that's won 92 games. You're going to have the feel-good stories. I think you can also look at, like, you know, how about some of the guys they've traded for? Homer Bailey, as of late, has been great. Tanner's been pretty good. Those have ended up being very good decisions. Getting Chris Bassett back up here. Now, I'm not going to put those. The it, It's tough to compare the pitchers with the with the guys who are every, every day, the guys who pitch more. But you think of how good Chris Bassett has been, staying with him inside the rotation. But I just, I mean, I love talking about Simeon, and I love talking about Canna. So I found out what our issue is, by the way. What? Eduardo has a Puerto Rico number, and well, let me call internationally. <laughs> we can't call internationally? I can't call from our millennial technology. It won't let me. So to bring people behind the curtain, I've been trying to call. it. So I sent Eduardo the number to call in, and um, he read the message. I'm waiting for him to, to either call in or respond. He he's he still is in Puerto Rico. No, but he has a Puerto Rico area code, so it's a, it's the area code for Puerto Rico. So I, when I tried dialing in, um, it it doesn't let me call. It kept saying, "Meet cannot make the call." Puerto Rico, what? All right. So they got for the Cleveland Indians. Who would have thought this? Their key move: trading Trevor Bauer. The team moved on for Bauer. For Yasiel Puig, Fran Mil Reyes, they picked up more offense because that was something they totally needed. You remember when the A's were back there and the A's were just killing the Central and they swept the Tigers? Well, it ended up being a sweep because they had to replay that one game here. But, yeah, went into Cleveland, swept Cleveland. That was all they were talking about in Cleveland. Need more offense, need more offense. And, oh, by the way, Trevor Bauer, who I know Commander Cody has a man crush on, he's been terrible. He has not been good for the Reds. For the Houston Astros, we've seen this. Jordan Alvarez bringing him up. The big lefty bat since his call-up. A batting average over 300, an on-base percentage over 400, a slugging close to 700. His weighted runs created plus is 181 is the best mark in baseball since June 8th when he made his debut. Ace fans, you've seen it. See, that's that 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 right there shows you the problems with the Astros. Is they they've got so much talent. They've got more talent coming. This isn't like the Boston Red Sox where this is all they got, and they won a World Series. That's great, but now they've got nothing coming through the pipeline. Well, Jeffrey Luno is a phenomenal executive for the Houston Astros, and they've got more coming. The Minnesota Twins trying the same strategy that failed in 2018. 2018, the Twins made a series of low-risk moves and signings to supplement their young core. Didn't work. But this year, Nelson Cruz, 
Perez, Marwin Gonzalez, that was a steal. I mean, adding Nelson Cruz, the stability he brings in your lineup and what he brings inside your clubhouse. Oh, yeah, they've hit more home runs than anybody else. The New York Yankees, trusting their internal options. They've had so many injuries. You think of Stanton just getting back. That'll be, you know, he's got very little time to get his groove back. He's playing tonight, I believe. Yeah, I think he's in the lineup, right? Yeah, he's batting fifth. Against the Halos. Aaron Judge hurt. Aaron Hicks hurt. D.D. Gregorius hurt. 3-1 Dodgers, by the way. Andujar got hurt. And they still got guy, you know, you still got LeMahieu, Urshela, Talkman. Talkman's out for the rest of the year, though, right? Yeah. Uh, Stan went one for three, then he got replaced by Tyler Wade. We're only in the middle of the seventh inning, so they're taking it easy on Stan. The one thing that they did, DJ LeMahieu, and Whit Merrifield, the second baseman for the uh, Kansas City Royals, was down on your analytics. Whoa, he was down on you, Cody. He was down on you. He has good numbers, though. He should be in favor of analytics. If, if you have good numbers, all your numbers are your traditional numbers. You know, listen, analytics, traditional numbers, it's math. If you're a good player, that means you rack up numbers, and when you start adding up numbers, it's math. You're going to have great numbers. It's, 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 it's that simple. Show me a Hall of Famer and show me his bad show me where his numbers are bad right you take the top you, you take the top 10 like we did the uh, one night i'm like take the top 10 wars of all time for position players by the way their numbers across the board whether it's old school or new school are all good when you're good you're good but wit was talking about how dj lemayhu you know he goes from the ultimate offensive ballpark but Yankee Stadium is still especially it, – I mean, it, 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 it feels like their right field is even shorter than it was in the old ballpark. It, it feels like it, it plays shorter. And the old ballpark, it played real short. But D.J. LeMahieu is having an unbelievable year. Tampa Bay casting a wide net at the training deadline. They picked up a bunch of dudes. Nerd Power, Sogard, Aguilar, Richards, Anderson, Fairbanks. But they traded our guy away. Ryan Stanek. By the way, I haven't really been paying attention to the opener. What what is uh what has our guy Stanek been doing for the Marlins? Because you know, when you when you go to the Marlins, you basically are you're off the grid. Um right now. Wait, hold it, hold it. We're gonna find out. Good friend of the program, the ultimate opener. What Ryan Stanek is doing, and I have to tell you, I've actually been to that ballpark. I have to tell you about my experience hanging out with the Marlins in South Florida, right here on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Now back to the town. Here's Chris Townsend. All righty. Oh, by the way, I heard from uh, about Eduardo Perez. Um, he never heard from us 
so he went out to hang out with his kids. I completely understand. I explained to uh, SiriusXM what happened, so hopefully we can get him out again. But I did hear, sounds like we're going to have Shark Scout and former Dodgers GM Ned Coletti on tomorrow at 4.30. Ned. Love Ned. One, the only guy I've ever seen go from professional baseball to hockey. So that'll be an interesting interview there tomorrow. Yeah, Ned is a uh, he's a good man. I got to know Ned when he was with the San Francisco Giants, and uh, yeah, he's one of the good ones. And I was always rooting for Ned. Actually, he was like can't stand the Dodgers, but when Ned was running them, it was uh, it was one of those where you know you 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 root for your friends. And Ned Ned was good to me for his years in San Francisco, and good guy. And uh, looking forward to talking to him about being a scout for our San Jose Sharkies. Mike Petriello is going to join us from MLB.com coming up here at 6.30. What is my guy, Ryan Stanek, friend of the program, what is he doing in South Florida? Well, he's p- appeared in 16 games, and he's 0-2 with a 6.89 ERA. Oof. Not good on the year for Stanek. How uh, many starts? How many openers? Um, he hasn't started a game, actually. He started 27 games with the Rays. And he appeared in 41. He's pitched in 16 games, hasn't started any for them for the Marlins. On the year, he's 0-4 with a 4-1-6 ERA. So uh, not good for our guy standing. Although, he has more strikeouts than innings pitched, so there's a positive there we can take from that. Yeah, I, I, I heard that story about somebody else earlier this year, and it hadn't been all that great. Remember what the big thing with Jeff Samars was? Well, he eats up innings. Oh, yeah. That's, That's great. great. Well, if you can give up. Well, he's having a good year this year. He but, is. Yeah. Okay, so Raiders go down to play the Dolphins. And on Saturday, I, I just I just make it a day. So I, I Uber down to South Beach, jump in the water. By the way, the beach down there, oh, it's no joke. It's the real deal. What they talk about, it's the real deal. Then we go to the University of Miami game. They're playing one of, who are they playing? They're playing one of the Florida schools, one of the small Florida schools. They're at, uh, God, I was about to call it Joe Robbie. It's, um, God, what is it? What is it? What, what is uh, Joe Robbie now called? Uh, let me check. It's uh, at like, uh, it's like with the casino. Hard Rock. Hard Rock. Yeah, it's, yeah, hard, it's hard Rock. rock. Oh, you're, oh, yeah, Hard Rock. Sorry, I was All right. trying to respond to Eduardo Perez, trying to figure this out. So go to Hard Rock, enjoy a little college football, the U, and then – we get tickets from the Marlins, and it's the second to the last game of the year. So you can imagine, the team's been torn apart. Giancarlo Stanton, gone, right? Yelich, gone. Ozuna, gone. They've gutted this team, and it's the second to the last. So it's Saturday night. They've got Sunday season's over. And I think I want to say they're playing the Reds. I mean, crickets. There's nobody there except in one spot, and that's the Clevelander in left field. So we go walking in, and it's where they, they, they actually have the Bobblehead Hall of Fame, which is pretty cool, and they have, like, they have, like, the Ray Fossey catcher bobblehead, uh, what'd they have? I think they had like a Barry Zito. I took a picture of it, but they got all these bobbleheads. That was kind of cool. But the rest of the stadium, you're like, 
Who designed this place? This place is terrible. This is the best you... They gave you public money, and this is the best you could do? I mean, the place is so generic. I couldn't believe it. But there's one spot where there's people, and that's the Clevelander. Now, they did a Clevelander, like, right, 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 where they have down at the beach, the hotel, the big party spot, which we would go later after that, and that's as advertised, too. But you go, there's nobody in the stands, but you go into the Clevelander, the bar, and they have a pool in there. And I just, I I didn't think about it, because I wish I would have brought my swim trunks. I would have gone swimming in there. They literally had women in bikinis in the pool. And the Clevelanders packed. It's like the treehouse without a pool. Like there's sometimes, I can tell you, like here at the Coliseum, there's not a really big crowd, but the treehouse is packed. That's how this was. There was nobody in the stands. I mean, if we could have sat there in the treehouse and like counted how many people were in the stands. There had to be like 3,000. It was, it was, it was brutal. But the Clevelander was packed. So I have actually looked up a picture that's on clevelander.com from the Marlins Park. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine women in the pool. The camera shot is you're looking back into the stadium. And (laughs) there's basically no one in the upper deck. You can, because you got to look past people to see the lower bowl, but you can see a lot of blue seats. But the Clevelanders packed. There's nine women on this website. All nine surgically enhanced. All nine. You can find it. It's just you, you researched it, and I just go, yep, that's South Florida. Yep, that's the Clevelander. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, my God. It was really the worst baseball experience. I mean, I can't even imagine. I think this is a franchise that's, that's, that's won two World Series and yet is so much a train wreck. And they hate Derek Jeter. I mean, boy, the shine is off Derek Jeter big time. I know he's going to go into the Hall of Fame, and he might be a unanimous guy and all that. But his legacy as an owner, his legacy as as an executive, I mean, Derek Jeter, I mean, he, he I mean, it's like a bait and switch. And you just wonder how much did baseball, you know, because they, they, there was multiple people who tried to buy the Marlins, and they gave a business plan to Major League Baseball. Jeter and his group gave a business plan. I've often wondered, what was that business plan? Was it what they got now? Because what you have now, I mean, you've ruined the honeymoon of a new stadium. You may never get it back. And it just goes to show, and I think that 
has happened here, like with the A's. You know, one of the toughest things for Dave Cavill and also for Chris Giles, and I think they're doing an unbelievable job, is they're trying to mend fences. They're trying to put their arms around the fan base and tell them they love them because the old regime didn't do that. The old regime practically pushed people. They did. They pushed people out the door. Well, as bad as it was here, it's ten times worse down there. Most people want to love baseball. They won a World Series, and the next year, Wayne Huizenga ripped the whole team apart. They didn't even get a. They didn't even get a chance. I, I know I've interviewed a couple guys. I think Rob Nen. I've interviewed a couple guys. Bobby Benilla. Jim Leland. I didn't talk to Leland about that. Ah, we should have asked him about that. But, I mean, think about it. You win a World Series, and you don't even get a chance to defend it. What a joke. What an absolute joke. I feel bad for those people. All right, coming up next, Mike Petriello is going to join us from MLB.com, breaking down the races and getting you the scoreboard update as we're scoreboard watching. Come on, Dodgers. They need to beat the Rays. This is A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Now back to the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Mike Petriello is going to join us from MLB.com. He's been talking about awards. You follow him on Twitter at Mike underscore Petriello. There's so much good young talent. I mean, it really, you know, you think about Jordan Alvarez. He'll win rookie of the year for Houston. How about the polar bear, Pete Alonzo, what he has done. And also what's so impressive about what Pete has done, doing it in New York. You know, it's not like he's doing it in Kansas City. It's not like he's doing it, like, in Miami. He's doing it in New York, which is so impressive. Mike, how are you? Once again, it's great to have you on the program. Chris Townsend with the Oakland A's. Hey, Chris. I'm great. How are you? Uh, I, I'm, I'm fabulous. And a big win for the A's today. But I wanted to start off – you know, talking about so much great young talent, under 30, under 25, and I see you on Twitter talking about, you know, rookie of the years. I mean, you look in the American League, Jordan Alvarez, what he has done with the Astros. I think of, you know, Tatis maybe had a shot with the Padres before he got hurt, but the polar bear Pete Alonso doing it in New York and the season he's having. Isn't it just amazing how much young, great talent we have in the game right now? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. And I also think this is something we've been pretty much saying every year uh, for the last number of years. You know, you look at the game right now, for a lot of reasons, teams aren't as interested in older players. And I think part of that is financial and part of that is injury. But part of that is because these guys arrive at the big league level better prepared to play than pretty much ever. You know, as you said, all the rookies this year, including, you know, Brian Reynolds and Alex Verdugo, and all these guys, but you look around the league, these are some of the guys who aren't even, you know, 25 years old yet. You have Acuna and Moncada and Juan Soto and Lindor and Glaber Torres and Matt Olson. It's absolutely wild the amount of talent we have. I don't think it's hyperbole to say this is the greatest collection of young talent across baseball we've had in the history of the game. 
Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned Matt Olson because a lot of people, you know, everybody focuses on Matt Chapman. But when you start to think about how great the defense is for Matt Olson, and I can give you, like, coming into today, Matt Olson in his last 18 games is wearing a pennant race here, battling for a wild card spot. Last 18 games, he's hitting 333, nine home runs, eight doubles, 20 RBIs, and an OPS of 1,259. At 25 years old, I've been trying to tell people, we, we got a star in the making here at first base. I think that's completely right. And it's not even in the making. He is legitimately uh, a star. And you're probably also right. He gets maybe a little swallowed up by Matt Chapman because as great of a glove as Olsen has, I think we would all agree that Chapman has a better one. But you look around, uh, you know, 35 home runs for a guy who missed you know, a, a decent chunk of the first part of the season. And obviously, everybody's hitting home runs. You and I have got 10 home runs this year. Uh, but 35 home runs is no joke. This is going to be his third straight year, with at least 24 home runs. And remember, in 2017, he only played for like two months. You know, I think what he has proven is that, you know, he's maybe not quite as, as great as that first glimpse we saw of him over those last two months. But this guy is a legitimate superstar. He provides value on both sides of the ball. And he's an enormous part of why the A's are very likely going to be back in the playoffs this year. You know, I've been asking people this because, you know, two of the MVP candidates are out for the rest of the year in Yelich and Trout. And it's not often that you see MVPs who don't finish the season. Where are you on the MVP race? And is it possible for you to see the American League and the National League guy getting the MVP and is hurt for the rest of the year? I think it's possible, but I think it's unlikely. I would say it's far more likely in the American League just because the numbers Trout put up they're so far ahead of everybody else that even if Alex Bregman continues to, to be red hot, and don't get me wrong, Bregman's a phenomenal player, I, I really think that Trout is going to get it based on his reputation and based on the fact that he had pretty much the best year of his career, which is saying a lot. I don't think it's the same in the National League because Christian Yelich had a, a, a had to you know have a bit of a uh, a late comeback to try to get back into the conversation with Cody Bellinger, and now Anthony Rendon is very much in that conversation as well. What's interesting to me, you know, I'm not the type of person who cares about team record. Like, I don't think you need to be on a winning team to be valuable. I know a lot of people disagree. But if you do agree with that, look at what the Brewers have done since Christian Yelich went out. They've done nothing but win, basically, which is kind of a fun other way to look at it. I don't think he's going to win. I think it's going to be Trout. I think it's going to be Bellinger. I think he can make a case for Rendon and for Bregman, but it's not going to matter. It's going to be both of the L.A. guys. Now, obviously, being here on Ace Cast Live, we focus so much on the American League wildcard race. But you talk about how crazy the NL wildcard, and as you mentioned, Milwaukee keeps winning. They're 9-1 in their last 10. They've won four in a row. They're in, a, they're in an exact tie with the Cubs at 82-69, and 69, and Rizzo and Baez out. And then you have the Nationals. They're just a game ahead. How do you handicap this NL wildcard race? I am glad I don't have to. <laughs> I'm glad I, I'm glad I get to sit back and watch. Like as we're speaking right now, the Brewers are, are losing in the seventh inning, um, so that's going to hurt them a little bit. And the Cubs are tied in the sixth inning. And you're you're right about when you, what you mentioned with the Cubs, right? Baez is injured and Rizzo is injured, and yet they just put up a monstrous offensive pounding on the Pirates. Now, part of that, I think, is fair to say the Pirates are not very good, you know. So there's that. But what Nicholas Castellanos has done since moving from Detroit to Chicago, what Chris Bryant has done since getting a quarter zone shot and feeling a little bit better, and really under the radar, what their bullpen has done. You know, Kimbrell's hurt, and he hasn't really pitched that well since arriving there. But they've kind of 
picked up these somewhat no-name guys that most people don't know and turned them into quality relievers. Rowan Wick, Brad Wick. Uh, these guys are, are valuable guys that just people don't know that much. I still think the Cubs are uh, more talented than the Brewers. I just I have a hard time seeing the Brewers keeping this up without, you know, the bullpen they had last year, without Yelich. I would not be surprised at all if we see Cubs and Washington in the wild card game. And I got to say, that would be a whole lot of fun. Well, I got to tell you, under the radar, and I couldn't believe this, you know, doubles and 60 doubles in a season. And Castellanos is a guy that, you know, he hit doubles against the A's in Detroit. He hit doubles against uh, the A's in Chicago when he got traded to the Cubs. And I didn't realize we have not seen 60 doubles in a season since Charlie Geringer back in 1936. Not a lot of people are talking about Castellanos and doubles, but talk about his year with extra base hits. It's amazing. Yeah, he has really fueled the Chicago offense lately. And I think there's a a little bit of a misconception out there that it's entirely based on moving out of Detroit and their very large home park. He's kind of alluded to that himself. And, you know, we ran the data and we looked at the numbers. It's not actually that that correct. It's really just that he has come to Chicago and started pounding the ball. Even on the road, he's doing better than he was, which has nothing to do with ballpark. It's about him crushing the ball. And I think the one thing the ballpark did have an effect in is that it's pretty big in Detroit. You're likely to get doubles. That's what he's done over the last couple of years. Just last year wasn't even a great year for him, and he had 46 doubles. You know, he hits 25, 30, 35 doubles every single year. This is something different, though. 55 doubles, as you said. It's an incredible number. It's not something we've seen a lot. And he has really, I think, changed the impression of himself as he heads into free agency this year. So we're trending to a one-game playoff. Right now the Dodgers lead the Rays, and if they end up losing, if the Rays end up losing, the Athletics will have a, a nice little cushion for the first time in the wild-card race. It'll be three games. Handicap that game for me. Probably here in Oakland, probably here in Oakland, and I don't want to throw the tribe out of this thing yet, but if it is Oakland against Tampa Bay, how do you handicap that? Well, they're really kind of uh, two sides of the same coin in a lot of sense, right? Like between the, the, the ballpark situations that they're both trying to work on, um, you know, they're both known for not necessarily having huge payrolls, for being very inventive in the sense of the front office, but I don't know that the uh, they'll approach it in the same way. And, you know, the A's, Last year, obviously, were fueled by that amazing bullpen. This year, it really hasn't been that way. It's Hendricks, sure, um, but it's been power, and it's been defense. And, you know, the Rays have had, uh, you know, the opener, sure, but they have Snell, and they have Morton, and Glasnow is back. It's hard to handicap one single game, but I think what we've learned over the years is that the October baseball in general, but especially the wild card when it's just one game, it does not look like baseball for the rest of the year. They will throw whatever they need to, uh, against the wall and have it stick. You'll probably see a sea of pitchers, but I will almost guarantee you that the A's will not use Liam Hendricks in the first inning this year like they did against the Yankees last year. Let me say this. Uh, we are going to be uh, probably broadcasting this wildcard game for the American League, and I've never been to Oakland, and I'm pretty excited about checking it out if that is indeed where it is. Oh, are you kidding me? You're going to love it because, you know, sometimes, well, the majority of the time you look at our stadium and, and you don't see a lot of fans, but this will be a packed house. This will be over 30,000. And as Verlander and Cabrera and all the other Tigers said, after 2012 and 2013, the loudest stadium they've ever been. You're going to love it. And you know what? We're going to have to buy you a beer since you uh, come on the program so we can show you our appreciation. Guys, I can't wait. I can't wait to see the park, and I would uh, be happy to catch up with you. 
you know, I, when you think about the, the first round, and everybody has a different opinion. So whether it's, let's just say the A's do win the wild card game. Who would you rather have in a five-game set? Would you rather have the Would you rather have the Yankees, or would you rather have the Astros? That is a really difficult question because those are obviously, along with the Dodgers, two of the three best teams in baseball. I guess I would say I'd rather have the Yankees, and it's not really a team you want to face. They're going to win 104 games or something, but I really think the Astros are just the best-built team in baseball from top to bottom. You know, the Yankees obviously – I have so much depth in the lineup, um, but they, they do not have the rotation. I would rather face, you know, Severino and Paxton and Tanaka and a sea of relievers than have to go face Verlander and Cole and Granke and their own set of relievers. You know, that, that is a really, really tough ask. I mean, it's not going to be easy regardless, but if I had to pick, I, I would rather face the Yankees. Yeah, because I was thinking about because if you're in a seven-game series against the Astros, now you're facing Verlander, Cole and potentially Granky more than once. Yeah, and that's an incredibly difficult ask. I mean, there's really no right way to do this, but if we agree, and I assume we do, that the A's would be an underdog against either one of these teams, uh, you're going to have a much better bet of taking out a behemoth in a short series. You know, a lot of things can happen in a five-game set. The longer it goes, the more the quote-unquote true talent you know starts to win out, and I, I, the Neither of those teams is going to be easy, and obviously going to the Yankee Stadium is not easy. I think I'd be really interested to see the power of the A's hitters play uh, in that Houston ballpark. You know, we saw a wild game there a couple weeks ago. That would be a lot of fun. But the answer is you don't really want to have to face either, but if you're going to get to the World Series, you got to go through one of them. Yeah, it was 15 nothing on Monday, and then on Tuesday the A's scored three touchdowns and beat them 21-17. Uh, that was a, a wild ride. And, of course, the A's just took – three or four from the Houston Astros, so you never know. Want to get your opinion on the new rule that's coming where a reliever has to face a, at least three batters, and it comes up again because of what happened yesterday between the Red Sox and the Giants where they used a record-tying 24 pitchers in the game, uh, extra inning game that goes five hours and 54 minutes. Are you going to like this new rule that's coming in? I love it. I, I can't wait. I, I think listen, yesterday's game was an outlier. Expanded September rosters, which we won't have next year. Uh, extra inning game, as you said. That's like a weird game that is not the norm. But just in general, I love this rule a lot. I mean, there is nothing that kills the flow of a baseball game for me more than a mid-inning pitching change. And even worse, the guys who do it you know, twice in an inning, three batters, three pitchers, it's kind of the, just the worst. I'm really looking forward to this not happening. I know some people have a problem with it because they say, well, it takes the strategy away. And I disagree with that wholeheartedly. I think it changes the strategy because now just instead of waving in the lefty for one guy, you've got to think about, well, who's best equipped not only to get out this guy, but the next couple of guys. And, and I found it interesting that the pushback here seems to be against uh, some of the people who are, are consider themselves more old school, right? They don't like these new rules that didn't exist. And what I say to that is, these one in one batter relievers didn't exist for like the first 80 years of baseball. You know, that is a very modern construct. And if you're a pitcher who's not good enough to get more, more than one guy out in a row, then maybe somebody better should take your place. So I, I really, I can't wait for the show. Uh, to quote Brad Pitt playing Billy Bean and Moneyball, adapt or die. There always needs to be changes. <laughs> Every game changes. And you're right. Stra there's always going to be strategy. It's just a different kind of strategy. Yeah, exactly right. I, I think people 
it's kind of like with the intentional walk, right? Where if you don't have to throw the four pitches, you just wave the guy down the first. People sort of lost their minds about it at first. And then after like a week, you never heard anybody talk about it again. I, I do think this is the kind of thing uh, we're going to be confused if we ever even had controversy about after a couple of weeks. Well, keep doing a great job. And also, we love you on Twitter. We talk about following you on Twitter because we use the stuff that you tweet out on this show. Uh, keep doing a great job. And hopefully that game is in here in Oakland. And we'll see you here in Oakland for your first time at the Coliseum. Can't wait, guys. Have a good night. Thanks, Mike. Like having him on the program. I like him a lot, Sarah, and uh, our guy Hembo, who we haven't had on a while. I have to reach out to Hembo here soon. Yeah, they're researchers. I mean, that's what they do. And then, well, he's also a columnist and does a great job at MLB.com. See, that's the thing for me. It's like if I have to pick my – I understand. Do I have a better chance? Do I think I have a better – maybe I need to phrase it differently. Sometimes you just need to word stuff differently. You know what? I'm going to reword it. We're going to do buying or selling, and I'm going to change the question, and maybe this will change your answer right here on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live continues from Ricky Henderson Field. Here's Chris Townsend. Do not forget evolution of pop fireworks this Saturday, first pitch 607 against the Rangers, the final series home series, regular season series of the year. Presented by Lagunitas. Boy, I could use a Lagunitas right now. They have a lot of good beers. Their IPAs are incredible. I'm glad you brought some for the show. Um, Wasn't prepared. The evolution of Pop Fireworks show is in sync with Fan Appreciation Weekend during the final homestand of the year. So you want to get tickets? You go to athletics.com slash tickets. A's do phenomenal fireworks. I can tell you, having traveled around baseball, not everybody allows their people onto the field for fireworks. The A's allow you onto the field for fireworks. I was here for Star Wars fireworks night, of course. But I enjoyed so that you know year. what I'm saying. Plus, yeah. plus, it's Fan Appreciation Weekend. Beginning this Friday... We're celebrating you with a kickoff of Fan Appreciation Weekend. The weekend includes two bobblehead giveaways, of course, fireworks on Saturday night, for the best fans in baseball. So whatever you're doing this weekend, throw it out. Get your Aries gear on. Come support this team. Help this team get to the postseason. You're getting bobbleheads. You're getting fireworks. Come on. You got A's access. Grab tickets today by visiting athletics.com. Slash tickets. Do you want bad news or no? The Rays have tied the game in the fifth. It's three three. I have faith in the, I have faith in Dodger Blue. Yeah. Dodger baseball. Farmer John. Tommy Goslin is pitching for the Dodgers. So oh, we'll see. That's still a lot of time left. Uh we doing buying or selling? Yeah, then you want to rephrase your question first? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He he here's how I want to rephrase it. Okay, because Harry's like, oh, you gotta face the Astros. He's the they're the boogeyman. Okay, you're going to have to face, let's just say you're going to have to face the Astros, but this is about winning the World Series. Okay? The main goal is to win the World Series. Do I have a better chance of knocking the Astros out in five or in a seven-game series? Do I have a better chance of taking them down in a five-game series or a seven-game series because it's all about winning the World Series. Because everybody's like, 
well, it, it, you'll get by the, the Yankees probably easier, so at least you do that and move on. That's not the deal. The deal is winning the World Series. Do I have a better chance winning the World Series by playing the Astros in five or in seven? I'm saying in five. I would say five, too, because you don't have to face Verlander that third time. Because you figure you're going to face Verlander and Cole twice. What about Granky? And you got to get Granky. So, I mean, we went back and looked. Granky doesn't have a great track record in the playoffs. Either does Garrett Cole, because he got passed over three years in a row as the uh, starter for the wild card game. But he does have a career. Verlander, we know what he can do in the playoffs. And we've seen it already a few times against the A's. We've seen his dominance through, against the A's throughout his career. But you're probably going to see him three times. He probably, what, games one, four, and seven? If you're cold, go two and five, and Granky goes three so and six. So game one would be, Ver- let's just say game one's Verlander. This is a seven-game series. Yeah. Game one's Verlander. Game two is Cole. Day off. Yeah. Game three is Granky. Game four, are oh. you are you going Verlander on the three days rest? Oh, yeah, I'm riding him through three days. The okay, whole- so you get Verlander again. Are you going Cole on three days rest? Yeah. You're going Cole again. Day off. Granky. You get Granky. And then Verlander. And then you get Verlander. So that's what I'm saying. If I have a better chance to win the World Series, you want to go Verlander three times, Cole three times, and Granky three times? Well, Wade Miley hasn't been good lately. So you want to fit. You, if you're A.J. Hinch, that's the three guys you're throwing out there in a seven-game series. But who, who knows? If, if the A's play the Yankees in the first round, who says the, uh, the Astros get by the Twins? I mean, they don't have – I mean, their pitching has been kind of suspect, but they hit a lot of home runs. That's the one thing the Twins can do very well. And you talked about their fel- the, what they did this year. Okay, in a five-game series, all right? Verlander, Cole, Cole day off, Grinky, Verlander, you're going three days rest, right? Yeah. And Cole. Well, I mean. Or I'd flip-flop it because if you're losing the series, I'd probably want Ver- – I'd probably want uh, – let's see, if you're up – if you're Houston, you're up 2-1. Uh, I'm just looking at it. It depends on what the situation is like. I'd probably want Verlander pitch the ga- game five if it's a 2-2 series. Okay. You, you, bottom line is, in the game five, you face them less. Yeah. You only have to face them twice. So that's my whole point is if, if, if the goal is to win the World Series, see – it sounded like today when I was asking people, like, well, you got a better chance against, you know, it, it was only like, well, you're, you're, you're up the creek either way, right? Yeah. Well, no, let's say the goal is to win the World Series. I got a better shot against the Yankees in a seven-game series than I do against the Astros in a seven-game series. So I'd rather go after that. I just beat them three out of four. Why not just face them in five where I'm not facing the starting pitching as much because – Two more games means two more starts by elite pitchers. Yeah, and the Yankees just got back Severino, which will help them in the in the postseason. You, you would think because they're, uh, the rest the rest of their starting rotation um, hasn't been very good. So have I sold you? Yeah, I, I think that you you want to Scott face them. Miller at first didn't like it, and then <laughs> full circle, full circle, <laughs> went yeah maybe you want the Astros early. Uh, so by the way, quickly we have about um, four minutes left. So if you want to do buying or selling, go, great. Go, uh, go, okay, go, just, go. It's time for Buying or Selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. So we're talking about the Yankees, and I asked this earlier. I gave you a little pretext on this one. The Yankees entered today with 99 wins. Um, the evil umpires could be on their way back. They could have 100 wins for back-to-back years for the first time since the early 2000s. Luis Severino returned last night and pitched pretty well in four innings, four scoreless innings against the Angels, who don't care anymore. 
The Yankees have lost Dylan Patances, though, to a season-ending season injury when he just returned from missing all of, this, all of season the other day. Giancarlo Stanton back today, as we talked about. Buying or selling, Aaron Boone will win the AL Manager of the Year award. Buying. With you on that. And I think he deserves it. So this year, we could see a rematch of the 2017 World Series between the Astros and Dodgers, who are two of the three best teams in the league in run differential. We could also see a rematch of the 1977 World Series between the Dodgers and Yankees, which we saw Reggie Jackson hit three home runs in one of the games. Another rematch, the 1988 World Series between the A's and the Dodgers. The one that I want to see, and I'm sure you might want to see this one too, will be a rematch of arguably the greatest World Series of all time, the 1991 World Series between the Braves and Twins, which saw the Twins win in seven games. Buying or selling, Twins and Braves will be the best World Series rematch this year. Oh, not even close. But there's a lot of people thinking that's that would be a good one. There was a whole article written about it. But the pitching isn't – you're not seeing John Smoltz and uh, Jack Morris pitching in Game 7. You yeah. might see – you might see um, – you Mike want, Soroka and I'm, 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 his name is escaping me. The number pitcher for the Twins. You you, you want ratings? Yeah, you I do. Put, I, you put. You, I want Brewers Rays. You, in the World Series. <laughs> you want ratings? If you got Yankees Dodgers again, you want ratings? I'd love to see a. I'd love to see A's Dodgers again. That would be good. That's that. That's 31 years in the making. Last one. Well, they also played out. in the 70s against each other. Last one because we're running out of time. The New York football giants have officially made a move. They benched Eli Manning. Oh, no. For rookie Daniel Jones from uh, Duke. Eli in his career is 116 and 116. He is the uh, definition of an average starter. But he has two Super Bowls. Both of them were wins over Tom Brady. Buying or selling, Eli Manning will make the Pro Football Hall of Fame before Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens make the Baseball Hall of Fame. Who? So this is just about time. Yeah. So you figure if you let's say you So how many how many how many years do you have to be out of football? Five. It's five it's five? Yeah. So if Eli doesn't retire and plays a couple more years. You got at least we'd say we'll give him seven years. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna buy that. Okay. Because I, I the only the only way the only way those Bonds and Clemens get in it's gonna have to be that special yeah the veterans committee or Eric yeah. committee yeah. and when do when do they go to that uh, after I think it's after ten years and you have to wait a couple years I don't know yeah yeah no I, I think I I think Eli for slaying the dragon that is Tom Brady twice will get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.